Dwight, that was great. Um, Al, what we're going to need you to do is quit your job and become homeless so you can be here every week. Um, we're blessed to have uh, the band that we do. My name is Joe Davis. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Life, and we're continuing with our series on Psalm 119 called Open Heart Surgery. Uh, this week is number 10, the passage, the 10th passage called Yod. Uh, the Hebrew letter Yod, and we're calling this one Redemption Makeover. So let me show you this picture here. So this is um, somebody's makeup kit. Now, before you judge them, let me give a little comparison to what this is. You know what this is? This is a great picture of how we operate as Christians with our religion. We do a lot of things religiously to give ourselves some sort of a makeover. And we desperately want this spiritual makeover. And we want to be transformed. We want to be better than we are right now. And we seek advice in almost every area of our lives. And we want the most efficient, effective, time-sensitive makeover we can have. And we go through a lot of things, and we have a lot of tools religiously that we use to change the outside, to look like a good churchgoer. But without God's Word in your life, on a daily basis, you will always be playing on the edges. Always. Amen. You'll be fixing your hair, covering your spiritual blemishes with rouge. Did I say that right? Rouge? Good. I almost said rogue, but I know that's not it. But guys, it's not really change. It's just religious makeup. And it doesn't really change who you are inside. And the psalmist explains how God's word has given him a complete makeover, a redemption makeover, a makeover that is started with its dynamic power being the power of redemption. Let's look at our passage today. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. In that aspect, the word afflicted means humbled. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. <clears throat> Let your mercy come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. But as for me, I'm not going to focus on them. I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. Now, somebody asked me this week, Pastor Joe, you used to always give us three applications of Scripture. Historical, what about God? What did he do and why and how did he do it? Theological, or historical, what about man? Why and how did he do it? Theological, what about God? And why and how did he do it? And devotional, what about me? And he said, you don't do that anymore. Well, actually, I do. I just stopped labeling it for this series on Psalm 119. When I give you a word study, 
Right now, that's the historical application of the passage. So let's look at the word study for this week. The word made there in the first verse, he says in the first verse, your hands have made me. You know what that means? It means to work or dress in gold and silver. You have dressed me in gold and silver. You have made me into gold. It means to actually outfit someone and adorn them in gold and silver. Isn't that a great picture? The next word is fashioned, to be fitted or to be tailored, set upright, to shape and reform. Now you see where I get the name of the sermon, makeover? That's what he says when he says, your hands have made, dressed me in gold and silver, and fashioned me. You have tailored me. You've set me upright. You've shaped me. You have reformed my shape. Then there's another word, rejoice. Another Hebrew word, samach. To brighten up, to cheer up, to make joyful, to give cause for rejoicing. Interestingly enough, this idea of a makeover where God, you, and the psalmist uses these specific words for a reason. He says, you have, met, you have dressed me in gold and silver. You have reformed me. You've tailor fitted something to me. You've dressed me in clothes that fit me perfectly. And matter of fact, all through the scripture, there are aspects where the, God, the word of God says that he has dressed us in righteousness. I picked one in Isaiah because I know Chuck loves the Old Testament, so I picked another one in the Old Testament. <laughs> I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself out like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Do you see the idea of redemption giving us a makeover? And he gives us this picture because why we are so obsessed as humans with the outward. That he tries to explain what I'm giving you is what you think about when you think about an outward makeover. I'm giving that to you inside. On your inside, in your heart, in your inner man, I'm dressing you in gold and silver and righteousness. And I'm reforming you. I'm giving you a tailor-fitted suit for your justification and your redemption. So you can see why redemption is a very important topic when it comes to being made over and transformed spiritually. And there is no other place to go to learn about redemption than God's Word. The next six verses explain the process of God's makeover of the psalmist and our lives, how he dresses us up in righteousness. So we're going to talk about what a redemption makeover looks like. Now listen, it's not limited to these things, but these are the ones the psalmist points out in the passage we're looking at today. And when we like to preach here at Grace Life, we want to stick to what the text says. So this is not limited to this, the makeover, but this is the one that the text teaches us about today in Psalm 119. The first thing he does is he changes our confidence. Verses 75 to 77. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have humbled me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be my comfort. According to your word to your servant, let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. He says, I know that your judgments are right. You know what this is? This goes back to a few weeks ago. Remember that prayer list I gave you? Confirm your word to me. Ratify it. Establish it. Make me know it's true. What the psalmist is saying here is, you've done that. I know it's true. I'm going to tell you this. Without time in God's word, you have no reason to have confidence in truth. 
because you don't know it. This drives us to trust things without God's word. If we don't spend time in God's word, it drives you to have confidence in things that will feed our thirst for emotional satisfaction instead of spiritual. It comes down to trusting your feelings more than your God because you have no confidence or experience in his word. This is because you have no familiarity with his word and what it teaches us about redemption. How can you know anything about redemption if you never read the expert book on it? I mean, we spend so much time in our lives, church, trying to analyze how we feel, why we feel that way, whose fault it is that we feel that way. And we are driven by circumstances. We're searching for favorable conditions that we can trust, that we can have confidence in. But the psalmist prays that God's mercy would be his comfort, his confidence. He states that the word of God is his delight. And as God's word is confirmed to you, your confidence, this is a miraculous thing. As you read God's word and as you pray, God confirm, let, let me know this is true. What happens is your confidence and truth begins to expand exponentially. Philippians 1.6 says this. I am sure, this is what Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. I am sure, confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, it's realizing that God's word in redemption is worthy of your confidence. It's worthy of your trust. You guys have heard our personal examples in our family, our real life stories. I can promise you this as, with as much integrity as I can muster. I can promise you this is not theory. I've lived it. There's another place that God's word gives us a makeover. Our temper and our anger. I just saw six people think about getting up and leaving. <laughs> Verse 78. Let the proud be ashamed, for they have treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will dwell on what they did and I will get revenge. Is that what the scripture says? No. He says... Let the proud have their issues. I'm going to let you deal with them, but I will meditate on your truth. Why? Because my confidence is there. What begins to happen is anger becomes less of a dominating factor in your life. But here's the deal. Anger, resentment, bitterness, and frustration will consume your life and define who you are to others. Church, there is plenty of reasons in this world to be frustrated. You don't have to look very far. And you know what happens when we are, by nature, habitually angry, frustrated, bitter, resentful? You know what it is? The result? Your growth is totally dwarfed. It's impossible to grow when anger is dominating your life. It's the downfall of most believers, frankly. It's why many times Christians never grow, because they are angry. And the psalmist says, they've done a lot of things to me that I should be upset about, but I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm going to dwell on your word, your truth, your precepts. The psalmist says that God's word has enabled him to escape bitterness and anger. And he instead, even, even though he would naturally want to be angry, instead he can trust God's truth. And he realized that he needed to do a couple things. Let God deal with those people. 
and have his mind filled with the word of God. Bitterness and truth can't live in the same heart for long where God's word is. Here's the problem, though. Here's what we like to do. We like to get angry and then try to run to God's word like an aspirin. I'm angry. I need to focus on God's word. That's not how it works, team. Your heart needs to be filled before the people piss you off. If your heart is empty from God's word before you get angry, what are you going to do? Yeah, very good. You're going to get angry. So the, the psalmist realized, I have filled my heart ahead of time with God's word. That's why when somebody does me wrong or gets me angry, I'm okay. I'm able to reflect on truth. Because a person in love with God's word, a person truly in love with God's word, won't be susceptible to fits of rage and bitterness. James talks about this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man, this is important, does not produce the righteousness of God. Somehow we have convinced ourselves that if I communicate my anger effectively enough, that person will change who they are. So your wrath is what's going to make somebody do better in your eyes what they should be doing? If that's true, then we would be the best church in the world. I'd be the best pastor in the world because you guys are angry at me all the time. <laughs> guys, listen to what I'm telling you. One of the makeovers is that anger becomes less and less a part of your life as God's word becomes more and more a part of it. Here's another area that he gives us a complete makeover that the psalmist talks about is our relationships in verse 79. I love this one. Let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies. Basically, what happens is we become surrounded by relationships founded upon common love of God's word. See, many people choose relationships based upon human criteria, worldly standards. And then here's what happens. You become captive to those relationships emotionally, spiritually, physically, and they become codependent and destructive. A person without God's word has very little ability to cultivate healthy, God-centered relationships. I mean, think about it. I mean, if you don't have anything in God's word, if you happen to stumble upon a good relationship, it's pure grace. The psalmist says, I'm trusting God's word to set the standards for my relationships. And you know what happens when we do that? Trust me on this. It saves you a world of trouble. And God begins, as the word of God becomes more of your heart and life on a daily basis, God begins to create a desire for you to connect with people who live by those same standards. And Paul warns the Corinthians about this. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Do not be deceived. Bad relationships ruin good morals. I'm going to read that again because that's an astounding verse. Don't be stupid. Well, he didn't say that, but that's the King Joey version. Don't, <laughs> don't be stupid. Bad relationships corrupt good morals. Here's the last area that the psalmist talks about in this passage that God gives us a redemption makeover, our shame. 
verse 80. He says, let my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be ashamed. A life in the prison of guilt and transferring you to a life running in a wide place. You remember the sermon on a wide place we talked about in Psalm 119? He says, you have set me free to run in a wide place. You have taken me out of the prison of shame and guilt, and I can run in a place of mercy. It's one of our very first lessons in Psalm 119. Let me talk about shame a little bit. Shame is a powerful force in our lives. Some of you right now, as we speak, are running through your mind. Yep, I have a lot of shame. It happens when you really don't understand grace. And redemption. The only reason a Christian can feel shame is when they don't understand grace and redemption. And the only way to escape the prison of shame is to understand grace and redemption. And only God's word will teach you that. The view doesn't teach you that. <laughs> Mari Povich won't teach you that. Rush Limbaugh won't teach you that. Nobody can teach you that but God's word. It's miraculous, illogical, ridiculous grace and redemption. Wait a minute. I'm this sinner and this person who clearly has, has offended God and, and not kept his word my whole life. God has saved me. Now I'm spending time in his word and you're telling me if I do that, I can escape the prison of shame? Yes. Because let me tell you, this is, this is the part about Christianity that most people don't get. Are you ready? Feeling guilty does not make you guilty. Either you are guilty or you aren't, regardless of how you feel. Because some people don't feel guilty and they are. <laughs> it's like this. You have to learn to live in the fact of forgiveness, not the feeling of guilt and shame. The fact of forgiveness through Christ and the cross and not the feeling of shame. Now listen, this is not a license for sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, I'm just going to read this. talks about being dead to sin and alive to God. Here's what Paul says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness of life. This is the idea of escaping the prison of shame, recognizing the fact of forgiveness. doesn't mean we're perfect, but as God does a makeover in our lives, as we spend time in his word, we recognize, yes, I'm a sinner. I'm keenly aware of my deficiencies. Trust me. Those of us who are married are really keenly aware. And we go through this and we understand that but we don't have to live with shame. Now listen, it is unmistakable when God's words start this makeover process, this redemption makeover process. And, and by the way, makeover is kind of a synonym for transformation. Look, look at my a journal entry here. This is right when I was studying this passage, you know, over 20 years ago. Before I started studying the word of God for myself, I was the epitome of a lack of confidence in God, a quick temper, unhealthy relationships, and constant shame. I know this is all kind of new right now, 
but I can already see where God's word is changing me and making me a completely new person and pastor. So I'm going to give an example of somebody in our church who maybe they don't even recognize, but I'm recognizing a redemption makeover is my, my, my brother and friend, Mark Curtis. So the last couple, uh, like twice in the last five or six weeks, uh, I was just talking to Laura about this. He's, he's run this uh, all-day seminar uh, on the 12 steps. He's run this all-day seminar. I didn't have anything to do with it. He says, can I use the center for this? I said, sure. He went over there, opens it up, organizes. Uh, I think he even organized food at one point. I, couldn't, I don't know what it was. It probably wasn't any good, but he still organized food. <laughs> and he invites people, and people were coming Lots of people coming to hear this five, six-hour seminar on recovery. And I was thinking about this as I was writing this sermon this weekend. The Mark I knew five years ago would not have been hanging out with those people for six hours on a Saturday. Right, Mark? This is an example of somebody who's having confidence in God's Word. His relationships are changing. He's escaping the prison of shame it's amazing. And this, by the way, this is the most, this is the devotional part of the sermon, by the way. This is the most exciting time for a Christ follower. Next to the moment of salvation when they become a child of God. It's when it dawns on you that God is actually working a makeover redemption miracle. Those moments when you recognize it like, wow, I'm a different person. When you recognize that, it's such a precious moment. Redemption and his word are transforming you. And it's exciting. But you'll never see them without the word of God. Because God's word takes a life that is tattered, dilapidated, frazzled, unkept, unstable, bitter, angry, and burned to the ground and transforms it into a shimmering fashion statement by the power of redemption. Adorning us with gold and silver of mercy and grace, tailor fitting us with robes of righteousness that help us escape the prison of shame. It takes sinful, fallen, unstable, angry, bitter, selfish, world-loving people and transforms us step by step. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, separation from the prison of shame. And we all with unveiled, uncovered face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, image of Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You know what he says here? What is the glory of the Lord we're, 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 we're witnessing? It's him changing us. I can tell you, when I began to see, and it's not something you get arrogant about. Wow, I'm in the Word of God every day. I'm really getting good at this Jesus thing. <laughs> That's not what happens. It's like, wow, the way I used to respond to that is different than the way I'm responding now. Man, that is definitely some God work there. That's a makeover. The more you learn about redemption, the more evident the makeover becomes. And it's not just forgiveness. 
It's transformation. Church, are you tired of one day hoping you will be the Christ follower you should be? I mean, are you saying, you know what? I'm sick and tired of struggling. Well, I can tell you why you're struggling. You're not in love with God's word. You will need to learn more about what redemption does. And there's only one place for that. It's his word. The psalmist recognized, you know what? The word of God is changing me. God has made me, dressed me in gold and silver. And adorn me with fitted, tailored clothes. I'm going to ask the, the band to come up now. I, I actually was talking to uh, Megan this week, and I actually requested this song. Because I feel like it's one of the most powerful. I mean, when I hear it on the radio, it's a good song, but it's not as good as when, when Al does it. I mean that. No, I mean that. It actually means more to me when I hear him sing it. And the reason is, is because it helps me understand just how powerful redemption is in our lives, how it transforms us, it changes us from people who are the old man and gives us a new nature. And we don't have to be held captive to that old person anymore. Why? Because we are in love with God through his word, through redemption. And that's why I love to read about it every day. I hope you do too.